The Mueller report is still dominating headlines day after day. This is starting to seem like a distraction. But from what? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. But I'm more than just a Libertarian. I'm coming to you from deep of center and waking you up to the true threats to our liberty, no matter which direction they come from, left or right. And I want your help. So I invite you to call throughout the show, starting now, whatever, anything you've come up with during the week that you think people should be alerted to, to defend our rights and protections. So if you think liberty or justice is in jeopardy from any direction and it's not being presented that way in the media, give me a call, 404-872-0750 or 800-WSB-TALK. So I'm looking at the news of the week the headlines, even the Mueller report, all the stuff that's surrounding that. Uh, and I do think it's starting to feel like a distraction. But I'm looking at it and asking why, you know, what is the, what's the problem here? How is our our system breaking down? Is it is it harmless? Obviously, whatever it's distracting us from is not going to be harmless. But the biggest news this week was that Bill Barr, uh, was the attorney general, was held in contempt of court, uh, contempt of Congress. And it's being called a constitutional crisis, but Judge Knapp from Fox News put it very well. He said it's not it's not a constitutional crisis. It's there's the laws cover it. The law that covers it is that the Attorney General Barr should just go to a court and ask them how to respond to the congressional demand that he give up the redacted portions of the Mueller report, open them up to the public. He either he can ask a judge to either quash Congress's motion or uh, give him permission to comply with it. But the problem, what, what I see as the actual bigger underlying threat here is all these conflicts, all these clashes we get over and over and over again are often already covered by the laws that we have, that processes and the procedures and the policies, if they are actually adhered to, then we would not have a crisis. And actually some of these harms would not even have been done. And uh, there's Many of the like big events that get blamed for uh, the need for new policy from the Kate Steinle shooting on the pier in San Francisco to the Parkland shooting. Uh, actually, it's the gun control is the biggest area in which I see these events that are attributed to bad laws and bad policies that that are that the laws and policies that are in place would have prevented those actual events if they had been followed. So what I, what I think the failure is of the government agents and the media, the government agents can do it actually directly. But the problem with the media is that the, they are not calling out the individuals who are, 
ignoring the policy. They're the individuals who are not following the laws, the procedures. So when Bill Barr doesn't go to court and get this issue resolved, that should be the focus. Why isn't he doing that? And then maybe you could get the answer that he's doing it because he's a shill of Trump and he's trying to protect Trump and he's willing to fall on his sword for that. I don't believe that. I believe that he's doing it because he's playing into this circus. But the fact is that he that that that, that is the real question. Why isn't he going to court? And I believe that these people don't actually follow the procedures because uh the procedures work, that we don't have a problem with our fundamental legal architecture, but that people like Michael Chertoff, which we've played that clip before, he, he was the head of Homeland Security. He said, oh, we have a problem. Our, our fundamental legal framework is wrong and needs to be updated for the 21st century to deal with these extra governmental threats, these, you know, terrorists and stuff, which are just pirates, which are in the Constitution. You actually have provisions for that in the Constitution. So they're trying to convince us that our laws, our frameworks, our the stuff that's been built up over really 10,000 years of human civilization, but, you know, 2,000 years since the, the um, kind of pinnacle of administrative evolution, I guess, the Roman Empire, Roman Republic, and then to a couple hundred years of our our traditions based on this these founding documents, the Constitution. And even though I actually have my doubts about the intent of the Constitution, and I think that it did kind of subvert the American Revolution, which was the founding law of that was the Articles of Confederation, which I don't think were really legally supplanted by the Constitution. But in order to get that little uh, squirrely business done, they had to make the Constitution something they could argue would protect our rights and privileges. And they did argue that in the Federalist Papers. And, and I say we should hold them to that by looking at the Constitution and requiring that they follow those, those procedures. And they don't. And it's not just a Republican or a Democrat thing. It's... They Trump is no defender of the Tenth Amendment. My favorite, one of my favorite amendments. I love them all, but I love the first ten anyway. Uh, but I, I had I found this funny quote from. I used to, I I love this book, Our Enemy, the State, by Albert J. Nock. It's a really great book, and I I wrote a review of it. I'll have to unearth that, repost it. But I there's a quote. It's a really strange and funny quote. Nock was, I guess, a rather flowery writer. And he wrote this. He said, this is from the 30s. He wrote this. He says, the party system uh, at once, like right after the Constitution, I guess, became, in effect, an elaborate system of fetishes, which to me, a fetish is like kind of a dirty word, but he just means like pet peeves or whatever, which in order to be made as impressive as possible, were chiefly molded up around the Constitution and were put on show as constitutional principles. And the history of the whole constitutional period from 1789 to the present day is an instructive and cynical exhibit of the fate of these fetishes. So like party platforms he's talking about, uh, items on the party platform, when they encounter the one 
actual principle, the only actual principle of party action, which is the principle of keeping open the channels of access to the political means, which means the whole Knox idea, and I think it's true, is that the whole reason to have a dominant government is to take the privileges your to take your rights and exploit them for the privileged class, for the people who are connected to government, for who. So the economic means of production is when you go out and work. The political means of production is when you legally steal the fruits of somebody else's labor. So the political means is appropriating somebody else, the fruits of their labor. And it's so clear that's exactly what it is. And even when they call it politics in a company, it's really just someone stealing your work, stealing your credit. So he's saying that's really the only principle of politics is to use the political means to uh, get value for yourself. So when uh, there's a fetish, like a party thing of strict construction of the Constitution, if that collides with the principle of political uh, exploitation, it has invariably gone by the board. The party that maintained it simply changes sides. So you go from strict constructionists, and he actually cites the Democrat Party, because this is in the 30s, as having their fetish with state sovereignty and strict construction of the Constitution. And obviously that's flipped now. But it flipped back just this week as the Democrats are the ones thumping the Constitution against their chests uh, in this issue, saying it's a constitutional crisis with Barr. But it's not a constitutional crisis because if you just follow the when they say constitutional crisis, what they're saying is the Constitution does not address it and that we need something profound and fundamental but i i can't th- i haven't come across yet a principle that could not be covered by the constitution and the laws that we have probably because i think our fundamental law is don't touch me or my stuff so it doesn't take a lot i mean that is enshrined in the fundamental law now most of the laws actually go in there and and diminish that right but the bottom line is, I think this stuff, I, I can't, I haven't seen a supposed crisis or conflict or clash, especially this is coming up a lot with uh, Indivisible or the people on the left who have said, like Binkley, my producer here, remember when, I forget that guy's name, it's like a Panamanian guy and then a local Atlanta activist were saying, this is what you have to do when when the system breaks down. Yeah. If there's not a way to get it done within the system, then they got to just they got to shout people down. Yeah, and what they're what they're saying is the system isn't working, yeah. but it's just that it's not working in their favor. But it is working if you actually look at it. Like this is the process by which actually minorities are protected, and I don't mean minorities like racial minorities, although that it, it should also any kind of group interest, shared interest that is not shared by the majority, as long as it's within your rights, it should be protected. And you shouldn't allow a, a dic- dictatorial, centralized, overlarge government to be able to exploit your privileges through the political means to the advantage of a small ma- majority or even a, an elite minority. So these are all principles that I I just caution when I hear stuff like constitutional crisis, I always think, well, are they following the processes and the procedures? And this is this has become really important 
with the with the criminal justice injustices, the criminal injustices I've been highlighting is that these people are not getting due process. They're not getting the protections of their amendments. And I can maybe we'll get into a few examples of how it's happening really in the gun control area of this manufactured crisis when the actual policies would be fine, would actually have prevented the story they're telling you. But there's so much more to the Mueller story, to uh, what I think it's a distraction for. And Binkley has a special report, long-awaited special report on 5G that we're going to get to at 5 o'clock. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like... uh... Your opinion, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are talking about Bill Barr being held in contempt of Congress, and I'm going to take a quick call. I'm going to go to Isaac in Ellenwood. Isaac, you are on with Monica. Hey, how you doing? I'm the first one. (laughs) Yeah, right on. Come on. What you got? You don't have a lot of time, but you are first. Hey, the real problem is, is this is a humanistic plot to destroy America and use America to fuel the global economy, the global world common system that's coming. It's humanistic. Uh, one thing, uh, Abraham Lincoln, the first president of the United States of America, after the Civil War, the man would have done great as to restoring the order in America. We I, it. I agree with that. Okay, and then you come up with McKinney. You come up with uh, James Abram Garfield, the man would have made great racial strides in America, and also as well as the economy. I think Warren G. Harding was assassinated also. Uh, Yes, and so now you come up to Mr. Kennedy, who hated big government and uh, really believed in patriotism in our nation. Well, our real problem is is we have a group of people in our nation that's caught up in pluralism and do not know how to love America. And they are fueled by a bunch of other haters that wants to exploit them to comfort themselves in taking over the United States of America and using it to feed the whole world, which we are not capable of doing. But they forget everything. It all comes down to morals. And that's why they are trying to kill Mr. Trump, because he's standing in the way. Wow, Isaac, that was really, I can't believe that you got that many thoughts out in the short amount of time that I had for you. Uh, I hope that you call back with more. I love the big picture stuff. I love the go deep stuff. And uh, and I and actually you get to the ultimate question is why? Why not? Why not go for what's good instead of destroying the whole thing? I'm going to explain what I mean by that after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's a man house! A man on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB. And uh, I, we just got a call on Saturday afternoons from 3 to 6. Uh, we just got a call from Isaac before the break uh, talking about what there's a bigger picture here at, at play. What is really happening in this country right now? It's probably the same thing that's been happening for 100 years, if not 200 years, uh, I just read a quote from Albert J. Knox, Our Enemy, the State, which was written probably 80 years ago. And he talks about the Constitution itself being the beginning of the end, I think kind of in the in the realm of Lysander Spooner, whether it was meant to be 
good or was meant to be, was designed to fail, it doesn't matter because it's not working. Now, I actually might be surprised to hear this because I'm such a radical libertarian. I'm an anarcho-capitalist that I actually believe society is self-ordering and that government is the source of the power that can really maximize exploitation of your basically it's it's not just your liberty. I think the ultimate thing is that what they do is suck up to the top the fruits of your labor. They get you to work. They use these manipulative ideas. And and actually, the fruits of our labor that have been stolen have been funneled into so-called scientific research, which uh, then results in this technology that will relegate us all to the status of useless eaters, to quote Kissinger, uh, eventually. So it's a very sinister-seeming thing from the outside, to me anyway, And um, uh, Isaac was saying they just, you know, it's anti, it's humanistic. So anti-spiritual, anti-God. I personally think humanism doesn't work where like you, you love and care for a human being because they are human. I think it doesn't work because we are flawed and it's easy to decide that that person doesn't deserve it. It takes an awful lot of compassion to see through all that but that's why seeing jesus and other people and feeling like there's a spiritual reason for it that you're getting all the credit for for treating this person better than you think they deserve to be treated i think that's probably the only way it's really ever going to work so humanism as a kind of religion secular humanism i agree does not work it is not a good moral foundation but uh i I, 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 st- I want to address the question of, like, why is it happening this way? Are these people really trying to destroy America? Do they hate it? Do they hate our principles? I'm not a – actually, I'm a bit of a constitution thumper, even though I recognize the problem with it. But I believe that the Bill of Rights – I think it was such a compromise. The Constitution was it was such a struggle to get it in there as the revolution, right after the revolution, that uh, – they had to they were up against it and really had to negotiate, especially, thank goodness for George Mason, the Bill of Rights. So we got that in there. And that that to me is like the last stand. It's the thin <laughs> ivory line, you know, on the parchment uh, between us and tyranny. And I want to defend that to the end because I feel like, OK, yes, I believe society would be self-ordering if. You could get rid of these sinister manipulators who create and then hijack seats of power. Yeah, then then you, it would work. But but maybe the pursuit of liberty is really just you're born into this world. You're not recreating or tearing down government with every generation. You're born into where, what you've got, and maybe your your job is to kick the can or maybe make it better, but at least kick the can to preserve the liberty that we have, which is good objective liberty in the Bill of Rights. It's good. It's not the best you could do, the best you get. It's good. It's protections from the the threat of the government and maybe government you will always have with you because there's just too much uh, too much intergenerational power in the kind of sinister elite. But if you if uh, so, I so I feel like you have to absolutely preserve these rights and 
that we should want to. So so both sides seem to be wanting to get rid of the Constitution somehow. They on the one hand, you have very well meaning people, seems to me, calling for a convention of the states to redo the Constitution. I mean, this is something that probably most of the people who are listening to me have heard of uh, a convention of states or constitutional convention coming from the right. I object to that because there is absolutely no way in today's world and atmosphere we're going to do better than what we have, which we can barely defend as it is. And then on the left, you have calls. This is a constitutional crisis. We need to have, uh, you know, and then you have like the non-left or right Michael Chertoff, just superpower globalist guy who says that legal infrastructure is inadequate to the 21st century challenges they're all they're all create they're all identifying their crises from different different places on the map but like is so true with the dialectic always this is i guess a trialectic they are converging towards the same solution which is the constitution is inadequate and i'm saying it is adequate and we should defend it and focus on it regardless of where the threat comes from but in answer to isaac's claim or question, uh, you know, or what I got from what Isaac's call was, why? Why are they doing this? And to me, anybody who is advocating either, either big government unprincipled positions, which we're getting from the left and the right, from wanting to start war in Iran or invade Venezuela to wanting to implement pure socialism here, either way, they are undermining our, our, liberty and our ability to enjoy the fruits of our own labor and we should be together in and that's where the 10th amendment comes in that keeps all that kind of nonsense at least at the state level where you could vote with your feet if you had to because you have a right to live in the other states you don't have a right to live in another country the other countries are probably hopeless too so so i feel like why are the people not seeing that no matter what you feel like the best government should be, at the very least, we should defend the Bill of Rights and identify the threats to our liberty, to justice, and to being able to keep the fruits of our labor, not having it stolen or exploited. So that's, I know it's big picture stuff, but that's where I'm, I'm really worried right now because I think it is the big picture that they're after. I think they are after from both directions, keeping our eye off the ball of, of the threats, the real threats to our liberty. So I want to, uh, I think I want to, I want to take some calls and I want to talk a little bit about the Mueller report. Uh, my producer Binkley is here. Binkley, um, you and I kind of decided to tackle the Mueller report in two pieces. First of all, how are you doing? You're good. I'm great. I'm surviving this constitutional crisis. I'm sorry. It's not a constitutional crisis. <laughs> my house did i tell you this my house is in complete mourning today can i why? Tell why because my husband is from houston and i guess the most devastating oh the rockets <laughs> yes. yeah they had a chance no, to win seriously. that one no i mean it was it, it must have been like when trump won like for all the democrats the next day just like 
Just like dead silence. Just I like mean, I'm a Georgia Tech fan. That's out. how I feel every year, every game. <laughs> the air was sucked out of my house. And like, I was worried about talking to him. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like, I don't, yeah. I don't know what to do. You got to give a little bit of some breathing room after a oh, game. Oh, yeah. Like that. I just want, because normally I don't watch the games with or anything. So I just like, don't even know what's happening. But it was just like, oh my gosh. They I had it won. Oh, oh, forget it. No, because I had been following it. So I guess Charles Barkley the day was like, there is no chance on earth the Rockets are going to lose. I was just like, oh, don't say stuff like that. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm trying to keep up, I keep my chin up, but my house is like got a crepe hung on the windows. So anyway, but um, but yes, back to our our jobs. So we were tackling the Mueller report and I think we kind of came up with the same thing from both directions. You were looking more at the volume one, the Russian collusion investigation. And I was looking at volume two, the obstruction of justice investigation. But I think we both concluded that it, or I concluded, and I'm sure you did too, that, that it's like highly, it just, to me, it was written like just pure propaganda. Like if I compare how the Mueller report was written with how the star report was written, I'm going to get into it, but the the Star Report is like, this person testified to this. This person testified to this, and then put a quote. The Mueller Report is this just absolute narrative with citations to mainstream media, James Comey, and a bunch of people who are being prosecuted. So many citations to James Comey. <laughs> Unbelievable. Who is an actor and a liar. Yeah. Uh, so did you get the same general feeling? The document in and of itself doesn't prove a thing. It just builds off of assertion, off of assertion, just nothing but presumptions and assumptions. Yep. Uh, I totally agree with that, and I want to get into it. But I think I uh, pushed some buttons because people are mad at my constitutional convention comments. I've got a lot of calls, and I can get to every single call if you hang on, but I'm going to I'm going to take uh, Bill in Austin first. Hey, Bill, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Thanks for having me again. Uh, just wanted to call and point out, if I understand correctly, a convention of the states is an Article 5 Constitution um, convention that's allowed for at any point in time. Enough states say, yeah, let's do it. And as opposed to a constitutional convention, which would be more like having folks go back to Washington to try to change the Constitution or maybe change the original uh, 10 Bill of Rights. So I, I don't know that we're talking about exactly the same thing, and it's not my okay. forte, well, but I, I, I've looked at the Constitution of, of uh, states, and, and it does make some sense. They're taking power away from the federal government. Always a good thing, in my opinion. Isn't the Convention of States in the Constitution that we're talking about, it's that it's an alternative method of amending the Constitution, right? No, I think it's oh, actually okay. an alternative way of writing law. I think they get, a, they get a chance, if they can do this, to go to Washington and force Congress to vote on certain things. Now, again, All right, I, got, I have not, my Constitution my, handy. I'm gonna let's take a break. My, it's not my strong suit, but I got it. I'm gonna, five. I'm gonna figure it out on commercial and get right back. So I'm hanging up on you, Bill. Um, I'm gonna talk to a few people. I've Anne, Jack, uh, Arthur. Hang on, and let's take a quick break. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty eight hundred WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. 
on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We were talking about a convention, uh, a constitutional convention or a convention of states. Uh, Caller pointed out that it's Article 5. Thank you for that because Article 5 is very uh, digestible. It's very short. It says that Congress, uh, you can either, Congress can propose amendments to the Constitution or you can get, you can propose amendments to the Constitution on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the states. They should call a convention for the purpose of proposing amendments to the Constitution. And, And whether you do it through Congress or the states, the amendments will be valid. Uh, if in Congress it's ratified by the, the um, I think it's three-fourth either way, Legis- three-fourth of the legislatures of the several states or by conventions and three-fourths thereof. Mm, that's a little, okay. In either case shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution. The amendments will be valid as part of the Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof uh, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress. All right, that's a little confusing. But the fact is, Article 5 seems to say that you can either get amendments to the Constitution through Congress or through the state legislatures getting together. And then it's just amendments to the Constitution. So I'm going to get, I bet Arthur here in Stone Mountain knows what the hubbub is behind the scenes when people from the right are calling for a convention of states. What What is it, Arthur? Arthur, you are on with Monica. Is that you? Did I get your name right? Yeah, I'm from Georgia. Okay, Georgia was the first state to sign on to this. There's now 14 or 15 that have done so. You need, third, you need two-thirds of the states, which would be 34 to get the convention held. And then they go there and they can propose amendments like the balanced budget amendment, term limit amendment, whatever, the number of them. LeVan wrote a book called The Liberty Amendments, and it was in reference to this whole process. So it is, it's not, it's not far, it's not the far right. This is, it's because Congress sits on their butt, their, yeah. you know what, and it doesn't do anything. That's what, what, why it's there. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And I didn't mean to say the far right. I just meant the right. But if it's just for the purpose of, I mean, in my opinion, the balanced budget Only amendment. Only proposing amendments. That's all it can be yeah, done. That and they is, have to be ratified by three-quarters of the state. That's, once they're proposed, then they got to go through three-quarters of the state. Yeah, that I'm fine with that. I had got some people were telling me that uh, it's the way to do it. What they were trying to do was basically start from scratch. And I was surprised at that. But I do believe I personally there are some amendments. I have to get on board with the term limits. People really swear by it. I'm not there yet. About, I would like to return to the Articles of Confederation where there's no ability to tax. But short of that, a balanced budget amendment, I think, is the only moral way to go. And I will take any constitutional route to get there. I will support it. But I want to talk about the Mueller report. And uh, Jack thinks there's an underlying purpose for the Democrats to want to see the redacted portions. And Ann thinks there's going to be big trouble. So let's get to that after the break. This is Monica Perez. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. 
You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. I'm coming at you from deep of center and waking you up to the true threats to our liberty. And I want your help. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We have uh, lots of, I have so many things that I want to talk about. And I'm not going to get to them all, that's for sure. So uh, you can listen to this show or my producer, Binkley, and I. Binkley's here with me now, but we we do a podcast also. So you can get the commercial-free podcast and this show. The show on Wednesdays and the podcast on Thursday at thepropreport.com is in the Propaganda Report, which is what the podcast is called. Um, and But today I want to get to uh, how... What a propaganda piece the Mueller report is and what a distraction and a manipulation. It would probably take me a full three hours just on that alone if I were to uh, just talk about that. But I have been eagerly awaiting Binkley's special report on 5G, which we're going to do at 5 o'clock and all that that implies. And in the meanwhile, I want to hear what you have to say about any of this stuff. Again, the numbers are 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to start out with Anne and Marietta. Anne, uh, thank you for holding your on with Monica. Hi, Anne. Hi, and thank you for taking my call. And I'm so happy that you are there to sort of split both sides down the middle and give it give it all a different perspective and, and get people to thinking. Because the one thing that I believe that is lacking is a lack of knowledge about what the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is all about. And those people who are paying attention with all this commotion that's going on around us, these little dangly uh, diamond-covered carrots that are being dropped like almost daily now to get your attention here or get your attention there and split you here and split you there, all of this is going to have to come to a head sooner or later. And there's going to be a problem. There's, there's going to be some form of civil uprising um, here in the States, and it's not going to be very pretty. And a lot of people are going to probably call it different things, but if we could just focus, just focus on what we have stood for, all about the Constitution, listen, don't just hear it. Actually listen to what people are saying and go and do your own research. Yeah, and let me tell you, I I used to laugh when this when Trump was uh, during his campaign and people were like, oh, there's all this talk of uh, of uh, populism and there's going to be we're going to have protests and riots and like things are going to go like that. That's where we were headed with all this. I was laughing at it because I said if people don't do that unless they're hungry. They just don't get off the couch unless they're hungry. But I'm not laughing anymore, and, I, and I'll tell you why. And maybe they'll resort to making people hungry. But it seems to me that the, the powers that be, the people at the top, above the parties, are absolutely determined to have some kind of revolutionary change in our legal structure. And in order to get that, you have to have the feeling of, a, of an actual revolution. And I agree with you completely that, that if people – or I, 
I agree with you that the Constitution and the Bill of Rights serves us all and that we should pay attention to them. And I would maybe go one step further and say this left-right ideology that they're really focusing on at the top could be totally neutralized as a bone of contention if we restore the Tenth Amendment. And there should be no reason not to. You want to live in California, you can have all the socialism you want, you know, and if you don't want that, there's another state. The Tenth Amendment allows for that. I, I agree, but they, they have to keep us all confused and fighting amongst each other so that we don't have time to focus on what's really happening. And I am of the belief now that, yeah, there is no left and right. There's them and there's us. And, and that's it. That's and and it. I'll go but, to your, your idea of not having the time to focus or the confusion that's what I think the progressive tax rate is for, that it's not oh, when yeah. you talk. You know, when, when Elizabeth Warren talks about taxing the wealthy, she's not talking about taxing the wealthy at all. What she's talking no. about is taxing, is neutralizing, is hobbling the most productive workers who are the most uh, educated workers. You know what I'm saying? You, you don't get an income tax if you're not earning an income and you're not earning an income. You are only earning an income when you have to work, which makes you the working yeah. rich, but not the wealthy, the idle rich. And that's where the danger is. Otherwise, people are going to start going all Ron Paul on you, and you're going to have your hands full because they're accumulating capital, and then they're going to have some free time by the time they're 45, you know? And then you're going to have a Washington full of the citizens. And and this is how bad it it is. I want to get this in really quick. Is that Mm -hmm. I asked a a lady that was of a different opinion once. I said, you voted for this person several times. And in your neighborhood around you, what has changed? And I will never forget her response. She said, we got streetlights. And I said, what? What do you mean you got streetlights? I said, you pay for that. Your tax dollars pay for that. She said, no, we got the real pretty streetlights. I've I've never been so dumbfounded before in my life. You know, that's where we are. Yeah, that's where we are. Thank you so much. And thank you so much. Please keep calling. And I I will say this, that the first time I heard that concept trotted out was Dick Morris, who was the genius behind Bill Clinton's reelection. And one of the ideas he had was people actually don't really care about the ideology. They care about the little things that they get and what they really wanted was those little ratings boxes on TV shows, the TV MA, the TV whatever. That's what they really wanted. And he said, you give them that and you'll get reelected. And I don't know if it was a straight line from one thing to the other. And then uh, my sister was reading a book on prohibition and she said, you know, the real reason why FDR was so popular, he ended prohibition. I don't even know if he was single-handedly responsible for it, but it was correlated with his election and then people just thought he was the greatest guy ever. <laughs> you know, talk about distractions. That is very, very interesting. And thanks so much for the great call. I want to go to Jack in Cartersville. Jack, you are on with Monica. Yes, thank you for taking my call, Miss Monica. I really enjoyed that last call. That was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, I have something I want to run by you. My suspicion is, is that Gerald Nadler and the Democrats that are – hounding about a full unredacted copy of the Mueller report are only after that for grand jury information. 
They want to know the names on the grand jury. That way, they can go in. They're gonna if they get them, they're gonna they're gonna leak them. These people will be docked. The people who are sitting on the grand jury. Exactly. They are going to. That's the only. They're going to investigate them. They're going to dox them. They're going to do whatever they can to discredit the grand jury. That's the only way they're going to be able to make this Mueller report thing not have the weight that it has. That way, they're. They're you know, looking any way they can because right now they're running scared. You can almost smell the stench of a nervous sweat coming from the left. Well, because the tables have turned. Trouble. But the way things are going, and this is that kind of operating outside the law thing, the way things are going, they will, uh, they they do set people set the crowds onto people, right? I mean, my producer Binkley's here. Binkley, you've talked about that. In in the digital world, they will set the crowds on people if they have your name. What do you call it? You call it doxing? He called it doxing, and that's where they find your private information. They publish yes. it on Twitter, yes, and they spread you, it around. You have talked to us about deplatforming, which has happened to us. Yeah. So I was deplatformed from WordPress for not doing anything wrong. For nothing. They tricked me into it. I forget the episode number, but we completely revealed it on our WSB show uh, when they did that, I was uh, taken down. My I got a strike on YouTube. The video was taken down for a show I did on WSB and posted on YouTube about uh, Sheriff Israel, an elected official who was later widely condemned for his behavior. But as a first mover, I was widely condemned. Yeah. He was a hero at the time. Yeah. So and I think you were right that this kind of censorship, the suppression comes out from. The uh, build-up to war, I think there's plenty of evidence, like from Wilson to Lincoln to everybody else, they mm-hmm. will put, they will suppress journalism. Even that famous speech by JFK, which he talks about this worldwide conspiracy, if you listen to the whole speech, he's at the press club, and he says, therefore, when we tell you to shut up, please shut up. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of what people think his speech is about. But uh, so I kind of expect my last stand has been on Twitter, which I have always enjoyed. But I have a feeling that uh, Twitter is definitely the next th- uh, hammer to fall. And what I'm doing, actually, I I was talking about Albert J. Knox. Somebody tweeted at me. She tried to pull up my review of Albert J. Knox our enemy of the state, but she couldn't. And that's because the WordPress purge screwed up all my files. And I'm going to, we're rebuilding. Uh, We are rebuilding the site and I'm going to have all that stuff back up, but we're also going to include a forum so that we can have these conversations, not on Twitter. Like we can post, we can communicate, all that kind of stuff. If and when we get deplatformed from Twitter, we will have a place to go. So I'll keep you posted on all that. And, uh, and yes, I think that it was a very astute call where uh, I think it was Jack said that they will target individuals if they get that information. And and yeah. that, I think, is a what to watch out for. That's a hashtag. Have social what to watch media out for. armies attack mobs that, that will blindly follow the instructions. You can get the instructions in an email, and they tell you who to attack, and people can ruin other people from the comfort of their own home without ever seeing them. Yeah, and if they get the names, they'll do that. And, and here's the thing that I just – it's very important, I think, to realize is innocence is no defense. 
Oh, they don't care. <laughs> you know, if they are completely lying about you, you will net. Or if you're if you're within your rights, or if you're exercising the first amendment, you will absolutely get no. You'll get no opportunity to defend yourself, and they won't care anyway. I mean, to the point where guys who are accused of hashtag me tooing will say, "I didn't do it, but I am a man." Yeah, and that, that's <laughs> a know, problem. Scott Bayo is the only one I know who stood up for it, and I haven't seen him since. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, uh, so let's get back to the Mueller report. Thanks, Jack. And um, stand by. Uh, more calls, too, if you want. 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. I'm not interested in fantasies. I'm interested in reality. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. Talking Mueller report, I have to at the bottom of the hour. I absolutely have to tell you how ridiculous the so-called evidence in the Mueller report is. I was flabbergasted because I look at the footnotes. Why doesn't everybody look at the footnotes? It's just, oh, it's so frustrating. I mean, I know Binkley has similar feelings of frustration having read the first half. I read the second half. We divided the work, which is what I think they probably do. I want to take a quick call, though. Uh I want to go to Maurice in Stone Mountain. Maurice, you got a minute. What you got? Um, you know that uh, Trump said he was going to drain the swamp. And so for the past two years, his people have been doing what real meaning like Huber and uh, the IG people. They've been doing investigations and creating cases. Uh, I mean, you know, Huber had 470 lawyers working with him. So what I'm getting at here is the Mueller report was total hot air and show business, but soon there are going to be serious, serious indictments, and it's coming out publicly now that you you see people like Giuliani and, you know, Geneva, you know, saying they're referring uh, criminal referrals to Barr. So that's the top layer of it. But there's a whole big underlayer that's been developed over the past two years. So that's really why the Democrats are so freaked out. Because I have a question lost... for you, Maurice, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this all goes to Trump is Batman, which I want to believe, but he is trying to start a war with Iran. Well, I will uh, challenge you on that as oh, well. Oh, but... Great. Please give me hope. I love it. Give me, give me, give me. <laughs> Well, it's just like with the my button is bigger than your button with North <laughs> Korea. Um, and there oh, I, I don't know what's actually happening behind the scenes. But right. what I'm saying okay. is that there are uh, and, you know, it requires a longer conversation. But basically, the idea is that deep, the deep state has been embedded in these various regimes like uh, North Korea and that the, the his oh, okay. Be- I got I got to cut you off because I'm going to a hard break. But uh, maybe he's draining their swamps too. I'm going to put words in your mouth. Let's see if that pans out. And more on the Mueller report after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. Always trying to go deeper than your average there. 
I just try to go. I don't try to come at it from the left or the right. I try to come at it. Uh, I just want to go deep. So I am never going to take the surface explanation of anything. And I was a little put off when I heard all this stuff about the Mueller report that echoed media stories that I thought were ridiculous. So I'm like, okay, I don't believe that. And then all of a sudden people are quoting the Mueller report as the source for this stuff that I thought was ridiculous. So I'm going to, I, I, my producer Binkley and I, who's here with me, we kind of split it up into two parts. The first 200 pages is Russian collusion. And the second 200 pages is obstruction of justice. And I took the second one and Binkley took the first one. And I want to just point out uh, something about the evidence. This was my focus. I was like, okay, all this stuff is in there. How do they know? What is the actual evidence? And I looked at it and I immediately noticed when I started reading the Mueller report that it's that it read like a narrative, like a story. And I thought, this is so weird. I mean, it it should say, it should have a lot of footnotes. It should have a lot of quotation marks. It should, whatever. So I pulled up the Star Report, which was the Ken Starr against Clinton. Similar thing, although not the exact same. It wasn't, it's not really the same mandate. I haven't dug into that, but I know it's not exactly the same. Now, I read the Star Report, and everything in the Star Report was said, Ms. Lewinsky testified to this, quote, blah, 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 end quote, and provided this document or did not have the document or whatever. And and that's just how it read. I didn't read the whole thing, but I just sampled it, and that's how it read. Whereas the Mueller report had a bunch of just, like, sensationalistic stuff. So I looked into how they used the how they got the information, what evidence they used, and it was basically <laughs> basically three sources. One for the I would say eighty percent of it or more was from three sources. One was media reports, which has a footnote in the beginning, but it's not in the body of the Mueller report. Like you're, if you're reading it like the narrative, you're not going to understand this nuance where it says the media reports were included to provide context for Trump's reactions so that whether... So here's the problem with the obstruction thing, is that the stuff he was reacting to wasn't true, and there was no underlying crime, which in a regular court of law with justice, it would be like, why are you here? Like, why would anyone obstruct justice if none of this stuff is true and they knew it wasn't true? (laughs) So why would they go out of their way? You know, but so, so... so they have all these media stories, and then it shows the reactions. And then the reactions, so that's the premise. Then that's So it's like media stories, but they're not there for factual reasons. They're there to show the context for the reactions. Then the reactions are described by people who were witnesses to them, but not in testimony, in what's called an FBI 302 form. Binkley, have you ever heard of an, a 302 form? I have not. Yeah, me neither. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know it was a 302 form, but it had like a name, a date, and 302 next to it. And no introduction. So normally when you do footnotes, the first time something appears, it would say Gates 102518, 
interview as recorded by this guy in a 302 form, blah, blah, blah. And then subsequent references to that interview would be Ibid or whatever, like refer to blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't say anything of that. It's just like Gates, blah, blah, blah. So I'm thinking, what is this? I look it up, a 302 form. I mean, it's not spelled out in this document, but from I put some time into this. From what I can tell, the 302 form uh, is where the FBI surprises you at your house or invites you down or whatever, for whatever reason, they have an interview with you that is not recorded. They basically have a policy not to record these things. And then they take handwritten notes while they're talking to you or right after they're talking to you, like Comey ran out to his car and got his little crayon out and he wrote those notes that he then leaked. Remember that story? Memorialize is what he was. Uh, well, he, said, yeah. he was what, memorializing or moralizing? But he, yeah, probably a little of both. Yeah. So that those contemporaneous notes are considered, uh, th- they have some evidentiary value. It's usually used to discredit a witness who's testifying to something different from what the FBI said they said in the beginning before they knew how much trouble they were in kind of thing. So, but here's the thing. So the FBI jots down these notes in real time while you're having a normal speed conversation and can transfer those notes into a 302 form, which is official, like uh, who, what, when, where kind of form that they type in either immediately or later, like right before the trial. So they can look at their notes and be like, I have no idea what this says and just make stuff up and then just say, well, it's in 302. You know, it's not like you swore to it, but it's a crime to lie to the FBI and there's no other record of it. So here you go. So almost everything, I would say 80 percent of the of the like statements that are in the footnotes for the Mueller stuff are 302 forms. So it's Chris Christie in a 302 form. Chris Christie could come out and say, I didn't say that. And then the FBI could say, yeah, I thought I think he said it. But who cares? You know what I mean? Because nobody's going to jail for it. So it's all these 302 forms and the comb. And then the final bulk of, you know, half of probably that stuff. I don't know if it's officially 302. It's like Comey said. Comey said. So it's, oh, oh, oh. I noticed and, that. Yes. It, it, it might as well have been because Comey said at the end of every paragraph. Yes, yes. It, it, so... Which, of course, he's so discredited, so controversial. He has such a horse in this race. And then, but many of the people who, or a lot of the of the information that is attributed to 302 reports are from 302 reports of people who were being prosecuted for unrelated crimes, but, but prosecutions arising from this process. So there you have, and I have talked about in our last podcast and in recent shows, how manipulative and coercive the government is when it comes to this kind of stuff. So they'll say, I'm sending your wife and son to jail for 99 years for something they may or may not have done, but good luck in a jury, or you can go to jail for a year. That was the Tommy Chong story. So if you are being prosecuted, investigated, charged with stuff that they're doing in conjunction with your giving them testimony, not even testimony, just BS that you can deny later. Like, how hard is that to go along with? I mean, I, anyway, it doesn't have any gravitas, in my opinion. And there was basically no actual evidence. There were a couple of citations to committee reports, but we know from New Knowledge, who provided the Russian report for Congress, that they themselves were behind the Russian bots in the Roy Moore campaign. So I can't even take the Senate committee reports as having any evidentiary value. And I'm finished. Now you can go. 
Yeah, the <laughs> other side of it, the Russian interference sounded just like the new knowledge report. So or tell the, people what the new knowledge report is. I don't the know. New no, the new knowledge is the company that created fake Russian bots and made them follow and amplify Roy Moore. So they basically did a false flag to make it look like Roy Moore was being amplified by Russian bots. And this was written about in the New York Times. And the company that was behind it actually got – the president of that company got banned from Facebook for spreading fake news. Yet he's the guy who wrote the Senate Intel uh, report. And continues to right. be accessed as an expert. Exactly. I mean it's absolutely the uh, lunatics running the asylum. It, and there's also – they also – there was releases about what the CIA could do about mimicking fingerprints of other countries and making it appear that the fingerprint of another country was left on someone's server. That was a technique that was released in some of these documents about their spy tools. I absolutely believe it. And, and one thing that's very important is that Bill Binney, who used to be the technical director of the NSA, I think, had some very high-level thing. He's now a whistleblower. Maybe he's a limited hangout. Maybe he isn't, but he's hanging it out there and saying – there is no way if this went over – if this was not downloaded, so a leak rather than a hack, if it was hacked from outside, there is absolutely no way the NSA could not find that fingerprint. Whether it was a real fingerprint or fake fingerprint, they would find the fingerprints. So the fact that they're not providing that stuff means they don't have it, which means it did not go across. It just it just shot out the side of a computer into a thumb drive or whatever. But that's so it's a leak, not a hack, which means people are inside. Yeah. And so the evidence that the IRA, the Internet Research a company the from IRA. the IRA, yeah, right. the Internet Research Agency from Russia, they right. say this is half of their argument. This is the first argument they present on the Russian interference side. And then at the very bottom of this argument, they say the IRA, they set up shop and they they set up the social media campaigns that spread all this disinformation and you know affected millions of people. And then at the very bottom of it, it says the IRA is run by a Russian that is – it's controlled by Russia because it was funded by a Russian oligarch whom the report says, quote, is widely reported to have ties to Russian President Vladimir Putin. They do not even tie this company to the government in the report. They just Which assert is, that it, it is. It's interesting because there was a Russian oligarch who was in bed with Lukos Oil. If I, if I recall correctly, it was an August episode that we did on Stacey Abrams. It was like uh, – I know what episode. I'm going to – Send people to the episode. It was July 28th, episode 105 at com, And we talked about she did an internship with Lukos Oil and Henry Kissinger and some Russian oligarch who Putin or Trump referred to when Putin and Trump were side by side at that press conference last year. And he had to, like, take back. I have no reason to believe Putin or I have no reason not to believe him. Like, opposite that because I'm in trouble. But uh, they... That that guy was a Russian oligarch with possible ties to Putin, but he was trying to subvert the Russian election process for Kissinger and Stacey, Stacey Abrams was was an intern at, in that program at that time. So, uh, so just being a Russian oligarch doesn't mean you're on Putin's side. Exactly, and they don't give any proof. Other than the assumption that well, he's a Russian oligarch, so it's controlled by the Russian. It's government. almost like the the. You might think it's the other way around because the Russian oligarchs all came up when when Bill Clinton kind of orchestrated a rather corrupt transition from the Soviets. Whatever. But I want to say two 
the two things that I think came out of the Mueller report, which I think you definitely uh, have said this many times, and I'm sure this is your impression of the first one, which is it just kind of stipulates, it just assumes, it just acts like it's there that Russia did interfere in the election. And the only legitimate question is if Trump colluded with them, that's the thing. So that's one thing. Go ahead. What? Right. They presume that to be true, and then they find what they presumed in the beginning as a conclusion. Right. But with no evidence. Right. Like, I'm not seeing any. If your evidence on the first half was the same as my evidence, that's no evidence. Zip city. Yeah. So and then the other thing that I was listening to on the radio uh, on WSB, which I love, (laughs) but I thought it was kind of an interesting insight into What uh, another thing that came out is that now we know that Trump is squeaky clean because they went out to prove that he wasn't his enemies went to prove that he was corrupt on an international level and they couldn't find it. So therefore, we inadvertently proved a negative, which is virtually impossible by proving that. If there was something there, those jerks would have found it because they're they're after him. And we know that's true. So now we have Trump, an actor with integrity, out on the world stage. And if any wars emerge, well, especially war where Russia's on the other side, it must have been unavoidable because Trump's our man. Let's get let's uh, wrap this up after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Everything she said was true. She knew. Nobody believed her. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. So we're talking about the uh, uh, the Mueller report, if you really look at it. Uh, it annoys me that the left and the right are both acting like this thing is rock solid because it's not. And I noticed it with the second half of Obstruction of Justice. Binkley, my producer here, noticed it with the first half. What's your kind of ultimate takeaway on what you saw there? For me... What this report does is it gives the false impression that election or political interference from other countries is not normal. It is normal (laughs) all the time. It goes every election cycle all the time. There are foreign countries that have the resources attempting to affect our politics. If this could have been an investigation into all of them, like why didn't they investigate China? The Brookings uh, Institute said that China also – uh, invaded our country or whatever and interfered with our election. They only focus on Russia, which makes people think that it's out of the ordinary, and it demonized Russia specifically when every country does it. And that makes it easy to push us into war in the coming months or years. Yeah, that's a good point. And people – you'll notice this. People will say us, talking about America, even when they're not American. And the first person I ever met, maybe the only person who's ever admitted it to me – of voting, who is not a citizen, was a Danish exchange student I met at Stanford, was in California, where they have very lax rules, and I was shocked and horrified. I want to just wrap it up. I'll take Glenda after the break, and then I want to move into uh, all about 5G. I don't know if I want to know, man, but stay tuned if you do. This is Monica Perez. Please take my hand. Now, open your mind to me, please. Open your mind. Open your mind. 
This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. But I'm also more than a libertarian. I go a little deeper. I, uh, I don't come at this from left or right of center. I come at it from deep of center, and I try to wake people up to the true threats to our liberty around the country, around the world, and especially in Atlanta locally. And what I want to talk about next is definitely a local and and national and international problem. Um, I want to talk, but first, let me wrap up the Mueller conversation with a call from Glenda. Glenda, uh, I'm going to you. You're on the on the air with Monica. Hi, Monica. Hey, Glenda. Yes, um, what I wanted to say was that um, I'm just sick of hearing the Democrats whine about the Mueller report. Um, I think I'm kind of in the middle sometimes also, but this is just um, ridiculous. They didn't get the decision that they wanted, and then they get the report, and they push Bob Barr to release the report. And then um, the night before he's supposed to testify to Congress, um, then he gets this letter from um, uh, Mueller, and I just think that that was kind of tacky. Why wait to the last minute to come out and say, "Oh, well, I don't, you didn't really get the gist of my report." It just, it, it's just really tacky, and I'm just sick of really hearing the Democrats whine about it. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think, first of all, they, they, it's obviously political. It's obviously theatrical. It's uh, they that's why I literally burst out laughing when I heard the sound bites of Democrats talking about the Constitution. I mean, they don't I I remember the immediately called to mind the soundbite from Obama saying, like, the Constitution is is just a fundamentally negative document. Like, that's not what we're all about here. And it's like, yes, yes, it is. It's the Constitution is a way to constrain this government that we allowed to form as an outgrowth of our right to self-defense. it ha- The document is the constraint on this power. It must perforce be negative. So to have them who reject their hero, rejects the very, the, the absolute fundamental conception of the Constitution for them to be thumping it, it's clearly the whole thing is disingenuous. And uh, but I would take it one step further and say that Mueller and Barr are both playing into it. And, and really, basically, everybody involved could just look at the thing and call Mueller on his BS. Oh, there was one thing I wanted to say about this, though, is that Trump asserted executive privilege over the redacted portions of the report, which really aren't that many. I mean, I, I perused the first half and read the second half. It's not that much. And I looked at when other presidents have used executive privilege. The first time George W. Bush used executive privilege was in December 2001. Mueller took over the FBI one week before 9-11, which is kind of weird. But so right after that, the December after that, his first assertion of executive privilege was to protect the FBI from being exposed in a case where they framed and let to go to jail four guys on a murder they knew those guys did not commit. In order to protect a witness they had in Boston, those guys got the death penalty. And thank God the death penalty was abolished in Massachusetts. I mean, this I used to be fine with the death penalty. Like, I don't think you have a right to life once you uh, forfeit that right by, say, taking somebody else's life. 
But the government cannot be trusted with that. They knowingly were going to let these guys go to the death penalty. And they ended up, the guys got out after 30 years. Some of them died in prison and got a $100 million settlement. But Mueller was the head of the FBI at that time. And the FBI, during the, the trial to get the civil case, and he was, uh, the FBI was not cooperating with the court. And Bush asserted executive privilege to help the FBI not cooperate with the court. That was very messed up. But I just thought it was funny because executive privilege is asserted for the weirdest things, the darndest things. Uh, anyway, let's get to um, 5G. I want to, uh, Binkley, I know you, you've really dug into this. I want, so I want to just launch with the thing that caught my eye is that I noticed that local towns are not allowed to resist this. So I dug into why, and there was this law in, I think it was September of 2018, the FCC made a press release that said, today the FCC took another important step in its ongoing efforts to remove regulatory barriers that inhibit the deployment of infrastructure necessary for 5G and other advanced wireless services. This action, which builds upon those already taken by states and localities to streamline deployment, underscores the FCC's commitment to ensuring that the United States wins the global race to 5G. Now, this is in 2018. This is under Trump's watch. The FCC commissioner, he put in place in January 2017. The FCC is, first of all, totally unconstitutional. The administration, the executive branch, is not supposed to be making laws. These are laws. Uh, It's completely outside. It violates the Tenth Amendment. You should have complete control over the lands in your town. I absolutely don't even believe in in interstate uh, infrastructure projects. But this uh, this is intentionally subverting the rights of the towns and uh, the... This concept, this this supposedly conservative concept of subsidiarity where you take care of your problems at the lowest possible level. Yes, if this is what you want, it does have to it is global, but that's not what any of us want. And what this this ruling does, it limits state and local governments uh, on the fees they can charge. They have to just be expediting fees. They can't be punitive fees. So they can't the state and local governments can't charge too much. They want to facilitate this. They can't have. Aesthetic or underground requirements that uh, slow it down. They, those can be negated as as just as uh, as unreasonable barriers, and it establishes what they call shot clocks, which I absolutely detest. When the government uh, or any like official thing um, adopts sports, you know, just so ugh, I just find it um, frivolous. Anyway, so shot clocks. Uh, 60 days to uh, expedite approval for small wireless facilities, 90 to 150 for deployments not qualified as small cells. So uh, with that said, Binkley, I would like to know from you what your kind of overall feeling of – you can tell me what you want to tell me about it or – what do you think the purpose is? Why, why are we in a race? This says it's ensuring that the United States wins the global race to 5G. What is that? Well, it's funny about the FCC thing because it was created, the FCC was, back in 1934 in the era of radio. When radio first became, it was seen internationally as the best way to control the masses. So there was a battle over control of it. Yeah, it was created as propaganda, and I believe 
war propaganda specifically. Exactly. And radio sets in all countries, people would make sure that the public could have access to radio sets. They would offer cheap sets because they needed radios surrounding everyone. A la the Obama phone. Exactly. That is the same thing that's going on with 5G. Is 5G, which uh, the FCC stepped in, they need it everywhere because the goal, and there's plenty of initiatives by the EU and by the World Economic Forum that want everyone in the world connected to the smart grid. And, you know, they're trying to speed this process up. And there's a battle over who had the 5G is the infrastructure that is going to power the smart grid. And there's a battle between China and us over control over it. All right, slow down. So, it's the infrastructure that's going to power the smart grid. So now, if I understand 5G, it's just a very powerful, like, little cell phone towers very close together that, you know, whatever. Let's get into the implications in a second. But is that basic? Is it more than that? Well, the the health concerns related Wait, to that are the— yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, like, let's do the health. So I don't want to move away from the smart grid thing. So it's it powers the smart grid. What is the smart grid? The smart grid is when we have smart cars and we're not driving anymore because our faces are stuck to our phones in the back seat. Right. We have a smartphone. Yeah, we have a smartphone. A smart car is riding on a smart road, and the smart road communicates with the car and all the other cars, and it communicates with your phone. Everything is connected. So that's and, the Internet of Things? Yeah. And it's also like your fridge and everything else, right? It's your fridge. It's a smart toothbrush. It tells you it's if your you're lights. brushing your teeth wrong. So it, the toothbrush is like your mom and you're five years old. And they're oh, smart wow. forks. So everything that yeah. is power. Absolutely everything. That is power. Yes. So my comfy couch, though, if I have a manual recliner, that's off the smart grid. They have smart mattresses that will tell you if your partner's cheating on you. <gasps> well, you know, I always thought that about the uh, algorithm or the thing on the phone that is like, where have you been? Yeah. And it'll, like, show larger or smaller circles. And if you see, like, somebody else's house... Yeah. I mean, that's it, all right? So everybody go check his phone, her phone, <laughs> before uh, anyone's aware, and then you can see if there's a big blue circle at somebody else's house, <laughs> like, there you are. <laughs> yeah, so uh, very interesting. Okay, so that's what it is, and why do they want it? Well, They meaning the powers that be who are part of whatever it is that they is, I have found that their websites – all look the same. So the World Economic Forum, yeah. the Rockefeller Foundation, the Googly Schmidt guys one, they all look the same to me, even the UN basically, and they're all saying the same thing, and it's stuff that we're not saying, but it, Atlanta it, behind the scenes is part of it all. It is, very much. We're a pilot uh, pilot city. Yes. We were, I think, on the steering committee of the 25 first actor series. Yeah. And, and one of the criterion for getting that designation was taxpayer funding. Mm. I broke that story. I remember. <laughs> okay. Keep so going. the World Economic Forum actually says on its website that 5G is going to usher in a, quote, brave new digital world. <gasps> well, I, I, it just took the title right from the book. science fiction? Yeah. But the brave new world wasn't like 1984 with the boot stamping on the neck. The brave new world it was the one was that we choose. Soma. Yeah. So it's like Facebook and Prozac. Yes. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> The ability of 5G and having all of this on the grid is the instantaneous transfer of information worldwide in an instant along with the data collection of everybody's patterns, everybody's psychological behavior. Okay, so uh, we got to take a quick break, and then when we come back, 
I want you to tell us where is that all all that information is it going somewhere or are we just zipping it around among ourselves i think i i have i'm gonna guess let's everybody guess and come back after the break this is monica perez monica perez now there is a president who may have been elected but the real man in charge lives several miles underground on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb i have a prize pack for you a pair of tickets to see Rascal Flats with special guests Lee Bryce and Morgan Evans Saturday, May 25th at Amherst Bank Amphitheater in Alpharetta. Tickets are on sale now at LiveNation.com. First to call 404-741-0750 gets the prize pack. Uh, so, Binkley, you're telling me about uh, the about 5G and you said basically all the information in our lives, anything that gets plugged in is going somewhere. And I and I can I guess the immediate implication, I think that's when they start like already we have smart thermostats and stuff where they can turn off your uh climate control in your house. Yeah. Not to mention an entire company was hacked through a thermostat, a smart thermostat in a fish tank. So they wow. got access to the company well, through the fish tank. Didn't the IRS have um, coffee trays and planters and stuff that had uh, audio recording devices in it? Like, that I sounds mean, I familiar. That's kind of basic, but and I, I have this idea that at some point they are going to monitor your consumption. You know how they're trying to ban ban sugary sweets, sugary drinks. Yeah, they can probably just program it so that yeah, you get one. But then if you want two, it's going to cost you like quadruple. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was great. I thought I hate to give them ideas, you know, but somebody would have thought of it. They have smart forks (laughs) that will tell you to slow down and will evaluate your consumption patterns. Oh, that would really make me angry. (laughs) I think a lot of these products are going to tick a lot of people off. (laughs) And the problem is they're going to make you have them. See, that's the problem with – with a lot of regulation is that only very big companies can then – be in that market and very big companies in order to maintain what is ultimately like the government enforced monopoly will do what the government wants. This is why Facebook will ban you and um, uh, do all sorts of things that in a competitive environment, people would just leave, but they don't. So there's uh, so much more that I want to hear about this and I'm going to right after the break. Feel free to call uh, 800 WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. She's an anti-Terminator. Terminator? On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6. We are in the home stretch, but there is so much more that I want to get out of Binkley, who has done his special report on 5G. We'll probably have to follow up with the huge amount of stuff that we are not going to get to on our uh, right here on the show on our podcast. So if you want to listen to this show, commercial free, check out our website, thepropreport.com on Wednesday mornings. And if you want to hear our podcast, listen to it on Thursday mornings. So we're talking about 5G, and I had this idea that – so this year is the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, and Steph Curry was made an example of – Steph Curry, who I'm – super bummed about right now because of my houston based household well my husband is from houston so like houston oriented household not having steph curry right now but anyway um 
he said that he didn't believe the moon landing was real, which is not a, it's not as crazy as it sounds because if they JFK promised it and if they could not deliver, they needed to fake it because that was the Cold War. Like they should, you know, and they can't admit it now, but they are really coming down on they really came down on Seth Curry, so he was Steph Curry, so he was like, "All right, I I take it back. I was stupid." And then you've got the anti-vaxxers who are being absolutely attacked as a plague on humanity. Not kidding. Where Bobby Kennedy was like, look, we really have to look at this. We have to ask some questions. And his family came out and said, we love him, but we will institutionalize him if we have to. (laughs) They didn't say that, but they wrote a letter, a public letter, throwing him under the bus. Really for asking questions, because if you read what he's writing, it's... It's just, it's reasonable, I think. Anyway, so uh, I think the next demonized conspiracy group is going to be the 5G tinfoil hatters because you might actually want to put a tinfoil hat on after you hear what 5G does. I think they'll be called 5G resistors. It's hard to paint (laughs) them with a, with a, um, deniers. Yeah. Well, the deniers are like, there are already some deniers, Holocaust deniers, moon landing. I can't just call them deniers. So I think they're going to be resistors, but then they have the resistance. I don't know. But the, but the 5g <laughs> thing right now, there's so much evidence that it was bad that they are going to have to rehab that and say they changed it and the evidence is good. And maybe they did change it and maybe it isn't as bad. I don't know. So, so Tell me, and it's really coming down. It's also like Trump is behind it, right? And and I've noticed that they're trying to get internet to rural areas. Kemp just signed that thing. That's probably going to be this stuff, right? Yeah, it's not just Trump. It's the EU, World Economic Forum. They've been planning this for years. Yeah, when when AOC and Trump agree, yeah. you know it's a it's on an agenda that above their head. That's that's a great point. <laughs> they they want us the whole idea of propaganda is to create conditions to where the public ask for the thing that they want to impose on you. Yes, so like the wall. that unity that they call for is always going to be some bigger international or yeah, some world government type thing while they'll keep us divided domestically. Yes, absolutely. So always look out. <laughs> always look out what's going on in the bigger picture. So uh, all right. So, what can we just talk about the health concerns briefly? Is that is this yeah, okay? Sure. That? Okay. What what's the story? Is it it used to be bad? Like, if you look up health concerns of five G, it, it's terrifying. What's is it better now? Here's the thing: they don't really know because the frequencies of five G are higher than a four G. They've done studies into four G, and they found that. Children and pregnant women shouldn't be around radiation. There's been some concerns there. And with 5G, they haven't really done any studies on it. They're just kind of putting it in there. Like Switzerland is one of the pilots. Switzerland? Yeah. And they're, they're Switzerland just— Switzerland is one of the pilots? It sure is, yeah. Really? That surprises me because sometimes I think—somebody asked me, like, what's at the bottom of the rabbit hole? And I said, I don't know, but I think it's at the top of a mountain in Switzerland <laughs> because I don't think— that I think that's where that might be where the mothership really is. That's why we look at UK, we look at Israel, we look at DC or whatever. We're like, oh, who's wagging the dog? Yeah, it's probably a dog that's not barking. 
That could be very, very true. And go. this is one of the first, first studies into it, this Switzerland. So they roll it out and then they study it. All and right. the reason people are worried about it mm-hmm. is because the 4G towers had a longer range. They weren't as powerful, but they had a longer range. So for every 400 4G towers, you're going to have to have 4,000 5G towers because they have a shorter range, but they're more powerful. So we're going to see these these mini cell towers Everywhere, We're going to be surrounded by this higher frequency radiation, and they don't have any idea really how it might affect us. Have you ever seen one? I don't know if I've ever seen one. I've seen pictures of one on the Internet, and they are putting them in my neighborhood. They have to put fiber optics in first, then 5G. But something interesting about the health concerns is that Brussels, which is – you know the seat of the EU. Yes, they canceled their 5G test pilot. They were going to be one of the test cities because the radiation exceeded their radiation limit in their city. Didn't you play for us a clip once of uh, a woman testifying at the Hague saying? I started to work here. I didn't know that you guys were doing this crazy stuff, and they were just like, uh, us neither. Yeah. And you always wonder if the power elite, if there is some cabal orchestrating all of this, how are they going to protect themselves or their children from it? You just don't – and maybe they're going to have, like, no uh, little bubbles, like virtual bubbles of no, of no, no-go zones. Yeah. They. Um, you want me to read the quote that the Brussels government minister said? Sure. He said, I cannot welcome such technology if the radiation standards, which must protect the citizen, are not respected, 5G or not. The people of Brussels are not guinea pigs whose health I can sell at a profit. We cannot leave anything to doubt. Well, usually what happens next is they change the standards. They change the standards. (laughs) Did they do it? No, they haven't yet, but but that's where it's it's going. They have to. So they won't test it there in where – Unless – Unless these guys kind of get grandfathered, like they make their own little rule, and then it's like, well, the only place in the whole world that you can't use it is the seat of world government, so you're either in the world government, or but they don't talk about it ever again, and we'll just find it in some deep state file 50 years from now, like, why does no one get cancer in the head? Yeah, the whole idea is push it out there, make the big profits, get everybody connected. Then they just hope they can figure out the well, health I, situation I, later. I doubt it's even profitable at this point. Some some massive worldwide capital build out isn't going to be profitable until it's up and running. I mean, that has That's to true. perforce be a, like a institutional global thing. I mean, I think. I'm yeah, guessing. right. Rolling it out is going to be the. It's going to be the growth period, but once we're all connected to the Borg, right. it'll be extremely but profitable. This is, this is where – yeah, and it'll be a monopoly or whatever, but this is where I don't like – I used to just say government research is wrong because they're just stealing money, and they shouldn't. But now I realize that they, they're not only stealing money. They're taking the money, and they're using it either for their to pad their own pockets or to – have us pay for our own oppression. But but if they if they're rolling something out like this, the free market would never do it. There would never be a time when the profits could be captured by the people who had to make the decision in the short run because ultimately that stuff would be hijacked as like there'd be a free rider problem. And it, and in reality, human labor 
even according to right now technology can feed everybody. So we could just, you know what I mean? There's the marginal return when it starts getting from, from necessities to comfort stuff to like high luxury, it becomes less worth people making sacrifices. So we kind of have everything. I, I just feel like on the margin, you're not rolling out a massive revolutionary change in technology that has to happen all at once on a global level. There's no risk of failure because if it fails, the, these I'm sure that the government subsidizing it, certainly they're paving the way. They're they're stopping local governments and private entities or whatever from preventing it, which yeah. in itself is an economic subsidy. So I just – it would never happen in a free market. Isn't that interesting though that the FCC is making it almost impossible for local counties to prevent it, yet Brussels, which is the seat of the organization that is pushing it worldwide, will not even do a test pilot in their city? Which is kind of crazy because where if they're still doing test pilots – and it's not – I don't think the FCC is making it almost impossible. I think they're making it impossible. I mean have you ever heard of a – you know, I did notice some websites of cities in California who were stopping it. But my – I don't – I don't – I didn't catch the date if it was before or after this directive, which basically means, you know, they might be able to fight it. But my guess is they won't be fighting it successfully without it happening they're not going to stop it it's going to happen and they can fight it but it'll be done by the time they you know what i mean yeah it'll be up and running yeah it'll be up and running and then you there's not gonna there's then then the, the court's gonna say well we can't take it down it would disrupt you know there are people who rely on it your neighbors are right and they're not worried about policy a, a brookings institute panel discussion they spoke about how they would love to wait and do all the policy work, but they just need to get this out there and get it get get the infrastructure set up so they can assimilate us all. Yeah, I do not. Whenever they tell you, do it first and worry about it later. It's funny because depending, this it goes to the knock thing. Depending on what your end is, your fetish is different. So sometimes they have the preemptive principle, the precautionary principle. So we can't prove climate change. Uh, or we can't prove that this person is about to strike first, but we can we can take the precaution of shooting missiles into their place or uh, making these dramatic climate change proposals, uh, implement these things on the precautionary principle. But on the flip side, we don't have time to figure out what this action that we're taking See, in the other case, it would be an action you weren't taking. It's always to justify some action that has no justification in, in our principles or law. It's funny you say that because there are military concerns along with the 5G as well because of this arms race we have with China. And there was a report – I'm paraphrasing – but the conclusion of the report was that basically it looks like we're going to lose the war to kind of control the 5G in infrastructure to China. And maybe we should consider a preemptive cyber attack. Oh, come on. That's basically what the report says. I'll link the report in the show well, notes. Well, I'll get a little deeper on that. If you – I've cited this before. It's a very good documentary or audio documentary whatever of James Corbett on China, the rise of China and the Rockefeller interest in China Mao went to Yale, that kind of stuff. Like there's definitely something up with that, and I, I – found that to be a parallel with psychological experimentation that went on in Russia 
during the Cold War where we had all sorts of uh, of like human rights limitations and they didn't. And now maybe they do, but they did their work and we use that work now. So China is a place where if you have totalitarianism, you can implement this stuff. You can demand, you can use it for taxes. You can do, you don't have to answer. And they, they actually now tout, and we have Americans, so-called conservative. I read that chick's tweet that time where a conservative woman, maybe she was Canadian, saying, oh, this is the conundrum of liberty is that uh, we'll get smoked when it comes to advancement because totalitarian dictatorships are better at it which is just absolute lunacy. But when they're better at doing stuff that doesn't make sense for the people, stuff that makes sense for who's captured them. Yeah. I mean, China sees an opportunity to gain some real power here by expediting this process, and we're trying to keep up. Another interesting thing is that there are fears that the 5G wireless network will interfere and disrupt weather forecast. Ha, ha, ha. That's funny because... You know what interferes with weather forecasts? What? <laughs> I'll tell you. When I look up and I see every single cloud in the sky was created by airplane exhaust <laughs> stretching and spreading across the sky in a haze that changed what the weather was going to be. Not calling it chemtrails. Could just be exhaust. When I was a little kid, and I used to watch those things because I lived between three major airports, they were like three inches long, and I would go in and get somebody. I'd be like, look, look, skywriting. You know what I mean? Like, I literally would, like, get somebody, look before it disappears. Now you're just like, wasn't it sunny out a little while ago? So that's why weather forecasts don't make sense anymore. But, hey, I don't know. What do I know? I just look up. <laughs> well, Hold on. Yeah. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Wait a minute. It's the future. All the phasing On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. So Binkley blew my mind on the break in really getting me to understand the potential of 5G. You think you can, you can do that again in 45 seconds? One of the best examples I saw was like, 4G is like watching one movie at a time, but the speed of 5G is like the equivalent of 100 to 400 because of how much faster it's going to be. The time, the instantaneous transfer of information with no delay at all. Okay, and you also said, so keep that in your brains, people. You also said chips in your brain. Yeah, chips in the brain on the battlefield is the Council on Foreign Relations that we're talking about stuff like this. Can instantaneously transfer information in the way they describe it. It sounds like the Matrix. Okay, so I think I think we were somebody tweeted to us that Elon Musk had a company called Neuralink yeah. about sticking that stuff in your brain. Okay, so what blew my mind was if you have that speed, I'm not even sure you need the chip in your head. If you have a speed like that, it's going to be fair. It's going to change the nature of your reality. It's going to make it harder for your brain to naturally distinguish. Holy cannoli. All right, let's finish talking about this on our podcast. So check it out at thepropreport.com Wednesday mornings and Thursday mornings. And we'll be back here on WSB next Saturday from 3 to 6. This is Monica Perez.